Hi, Donovan. This didn't happen to me directly, but it did happen to my cousin, who served in the army and did a few tours overseas. Forgive me if I get some of the details wrong, because we had a few drinks when he told me this story. He wouldn't tell me exactly where this happened, but I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in South America. I know he was down there a bunch. My cousin and I kind of lost touch after the last few years. He lives somewhere over in the Philippines now. I think he does some type of internet marketing. Anyway, so my cousin tells me that one time he was on a mission and they killed this creature that was causing all kinds of issues. Apparently, it killed one of his fellow soldiers in the process. It literally shred him to pieces. He never talks about this stuff unless he has quite a few drinks. And so this one night, we're hanging out and he starts telling me this story. He and seven others get sent to some unknown location that he can't tell me, but he says it's heavily forested. They are to be there for two nights and will be airlifted out of there because they parachuted in. They set up camp as soon as they dropped in, and right away something felt really off, he said. He felt like he and the team were being watched, but they couldn't quite make out what it was. They kept hearing something circling them, but they could never find anything. The first night they were there, they would hear something throughout the night. They would sleep in shifts. When morning came, they started heading out to complete their mission. And that's when all hell broke loose. As soon as they left camp, this thing came out of nowhere and attacked one of his soldiers. It tackled him into the thick brush and was literally tearing him apart. My cousin and the others tried shooting at it, but it was too quick. It ran off before they could even get a good shot in. They went to give the fallen soldier medical attention, but it was too late. He was already dead, and there wasn't much left of him either. They knew they had to find this thing and take it down before it killed again. They tracked it down to a small cave, and when they went in there, it was like nothing they'd ever seen before. This thing was reptilian, like half man and half reptile. It was huge and had these razor-sharp claws. It hissed at them when they stood at the entrance of the cave. They opened fire on it right there because they had it cornered in the cave. They hit it a bunch of times, and it was flailing all around and was twitching and smacking itself up against the side of the cave. Apparently, it was a pretty grotesque situation. Eventually, it died. He said it was the craziest thing that he had ever seen in his life, and it still gives him nightmares to this day. They finished out the mission, but when they were done, they took this thing back with them when they got airlifted out of there. He said they wanted it for testing. He never knew what happened to it after that. He told me that there are things out there that people don't want to know about. I live in Northern Virginia and used to love getting out and exploring some of the lesser known spots in the area. There's a park that almost no one knows about that's a real throwback to pre-Civil War times. There are completely untouched antebellum homesteads. There's a Revolutionary War wagon route in old Civil War trenches and quite a few random graves. I'm fascinated with that era of time, so it was always interesting to look around there. It's all located along a trail behind fancy neighborhoods and golf courses. The trail's over 20 miles long, but I guess most people don't have the time for that kind of history. I was there one day and came upon an old brick chimney. There was no sign of the house that used to surround it, 
just the chimney. It was in a kind of clearing that surprisingly didn't look overgrown, and there was a little hearth in front of the chimney, with a small stone fireplace opening. What struck me was how clean it looked, like someone had swept it recently. I poked around and spotted a little trail at the edge of the clearing. I followed it into the woods about a hundred feet and came to where there was about a three-foot-tall stone wall marking out a rectangular piece of property. On one edge, I found this old stairway leading down to what I assumed was a stone cellar. There was a wooden door down there that was a little propped open. It started to feel creepy, but I was so fascinated. I couldn't help but go down and take a look. I pulled the door open and turned on my flashlight. There was a wooden table and a couple of chairs. There were wooden shelves against the walls. I saw old glass jars of food on the shelves. Looked like flour and cornmeal and seeds and such. There were a few piles of stuff, old rags and clothes. I started thinking that maybe somebody was squatting there. I shined my flashlight around and saw the cellar door extend very far back, and there was a short passage that led to another area. I went through to a small room. It was mostly dirt, more like a hidey hole than anything. There was this black powdery stuff on the floors against the walls. In one spot, there was a little pile that looked like old rotten fruit. I didn't know what to think. I kept wondering if it was a person or an animal that had been hanging out in there. I didn't have much more time to explore that day, so I left and I headed home. It was probably about a month later before I was back in that same area. I had a hard day at work, and it always calmed me down to get out on the trail and let go of some stress. I'd found what looked like an old family graveyard and was trying to read the names and the dates. Some of the names were so faded, but I got really into trying to figure out some of the family history. It had gotten later than I realized, and it was starting to rain. I wasn't prepared with a hat or a raincoat or anything, but this graveyard was really close to that old chimney that I'd found before. I decided to go wait it out in that cellar, since I was at least a mile from my car. I was sure it wouldn't rain for that long. I found the chimney without any trouble and headed for the cellar. The door was a bit open like before, and I went in and sat in one of the chairs. I always carry a notebook and a pen, so I pulled those out and my flashlight and started making some notes. Part of me always thought I'd eventually write a little history book of the area. I was there less than a half an hour when I started hearing some rustling noises. I thought maybe there was an animal down the passageway in a little room. It was just a soft rustling at first, so I'm thinking maybe some mice or something. But then the rustling got pretty loud and I thought I heard this weird flapping sound. By then, I was freaking out thinking it was a bat or something. I stuffed my things into my pockets and I headed for the door. I was glad it had stopped raining. I made sure to leave the door open and went up the stairs. It was around dusk, but I was curious about who was in there. So I went and sat on the stone wall farthest from the cellar. I hoped whatever it was would come out. I didn't really think it would, but after about 10 minutes, something opened the door further, and I saw this shadowy shape. Okay, I was really freaking out now, because this was something big, like five or six feet tall. Before I had too much time to think, it jumped up all the steps at once. It turned its head toward me, but I didn't see any face. But I did see these horrible red eyes, 
that looked like they were glowing and looking right at me. I tried getting to my feet and just tumbled backwards off the wall. I crouched down there looking over and I kid you not, this thing spread out these huge black leathery looking wings and half jumped and half flew into the trees. Oh my gosh, I split out of there running as fast as I could towards my car. I'm no runner and by the time I got there, I thought I was going to die. I finally calmed down enough to drive, but all I could think about on the way home was how I had been in this cellar with that thing like only 10 feet away from me. How could something like that be real? I never went back there again. I want to start out by saying I had never heard of your show until just recently when I told this story to a couple of friends of mine, and they told me I needed to hurry up and get it submitted. So here it is. It was a nice September evening in the opening weekend of deer season in 2020 in Bottineau County. I was 21 and living back home with my parents after the pandemic caused me to lose my traveling job. It had been a hard year and I'd been looking forward to hunting for months. Even bought myself a new deer stand in preparation for the hunt. It was the second day of the season, so according to North Dakota law, I was allowed to stay in my stand for a half an hour after sunset. For years, it's been my usual routine to head out midday and set up my deer stand, then take the stand down just as dark starts creeping in. Years ago, my dad taught me that the afternoon and the evening were the best time to spot deer, because they've come accustomed to the hustle and bustle of human life during the day, and learned on their own to come out during the quiet parts of the evening, when humans are usually scarce. I was pretty exhausted that particular morning. My cousin had, for some reason, planned her wedding for the same weekend, and I'd spend the night before tying one on with my family and friends. When I climbed into the deer stand, I leaned back in my seat and yawned and stretched. I found a perfect quiet spot way out in the middle of the open acreage owned by a friend of the family who had given me permission to hunt on the land. Off in the distance, I could hear the honking of Canadian geese as they made their way south for the winter. Aside from them, I was completely alone out there. It was a perfectly clear and sunny afternoon, probably around 60 degrees. I had one of my favorite jacket and thermoses of my grandma. It's strange, when I first got up in that stand, I thought I was wide awake and ready for the hunt, even in spite of all the partying the night before. I didn't even realize I was falling asleep, until I woke up by the shaking of my deer stand. It was pitch black when I opened my eyes. I didn't know the time, and I was too panicked to check in the moment, but I'd later realize it was creeping up on midnight when I woke up. I wasn't sure what was happening when I first got startled awake. It was clear that something was trying to shake me out of the tree, but I couldn't really place what it might be. There are no bears living in the area, and the musky smell of whatever it was was far too strong to be that of a horse or a bull. I grabbed my flashlight in my jacket pocket, and shined it down below me. Right away, I spotted this huge set of antlers. My thought that it was a buck deer up on his hind legs trying to knock down the stand for some reason. But that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Deer are usually shy and skittish. There would be no reason for him to have suddenly attacked me as I slept. It wasn't all that bad, though, because I had come out there to bag a buck. And there he was. I hesitated before reaching for my gun. It was well past nightfall and beyond the legal hunting hours, 
but I figured I had a pass to shoot this thing since it was actively trying to kill me. I pointed the barrel of my gun right between the antlers and took aim. Then I pulled the trigger. It was only when the thing fell backwards did I realize this was no normal deer. When it fell, I could tell that it was built like a deer with a straight back and legs instead. It was almost cat-like in appearance, with these peaked shoulders and a thin waist. It shook its head at the feel of the bullet, then stood back up and looked at me. It stood only on its two back legs, like a human, and stared me right in the eyes. This thing was like nothing I'd ever seen before, but I knew right away what it was. The Wendigo is a popular figure in Native American folklore, and my dad's a member of the Lakota tribe. I knew from the stories that they can't be outrun, and they can't be shot with regular bullets. They regenerate faster than they bleed. Fortunately, they also can't climb. I made my way further up the tree and took shelter for the night. By sunrise, it had completely torn my new deer stand apart. But as the sun came up, it got bored enough to leave. I made my way down and gathered up the pieces of the stand and carried it back to my truck. I never told anyone what had happened with the stand to cause it so much damage. When I got home and my parents asked, I just shrugged it off and said it wasn't well built, but I think my dad might have known. The next time I went out, he handed me a cloth bag with silver bullets and told me to be careful. Apparently, once one of these things sets its sight on you, it doesn't give up. I'll never hunt without that bag in my kit again. As I learned, you never know when you might need them. I'm a student worker at the Ohio State University Main Library, officially known as the William Oxley Thompson Memorial Library. This thing is huge. Eleven floors which are mostly stacks, meaning rows and rows of bookshelves. You can stand on the bottom floor and look up at all those books, which is not good for you if you have vertigo. I'd been working there for a few months before I noticed anything unusual. I mostly reshelved returned books, so I spent a lot of time walking around in the stacks, pushing a book cart. One day, though, the student who normally helped the librarians close up was sick or something, so I had to stay late. It closes at midnight, and by then, hardly anyone's around. Only a few really dedicated graduate students. There's a ton of lights in the library, because like I said, it's huge. So they start turning them off before I close. And around that time, the workers walk around to make sure no one's still inside before locking the doors. It's a little creepy to be honest, because during the day, the light comes from the big windows and the skylights. But at night, it's a lot darker. As I walk around, I saw the light at the end of a row of bookshelves. It was bright, but flickering like a candle. I'll admit, I was scared. I didn't want to confront some weirdo who was lighting candles in the library. When I got closer, though, it flickered again and went out. I reached the spot where I thought it was coming from, and I saw nothing. I figured it was just some weird thing, or maybe I was imagining it. But then that student, the one who was supposed to close normally, she just quit, just up and left Ohio State University. So naturally, I was put on that shift. Now, I had to close on every shift I worked, which was three days a week. I'd pretty much forgotten about the light, but as soon as I walked up to that same place on the fifth floor and saw it again, I remembered. It disappeared again when I got close. 
I don't know what was going on, but after that, other weird stuff started happening with the lights. They would follow me, going on as I walked and then off as I passed. One far away would flicker and then go out. Finally, I asked one of the librarians why the other student quit. She said she was scared of something, but she never really said what it was. I wanted to keep my job, so I didn't push it. I looked up some stuff on ghosts, trying to find out if it was a ghost. How could I make it go away? But all of them said that you had to know something about the person, the dead person, before you could really do anything. I started sneaking off to spend part of my shift looking at old copies of the campus newspaper. I'd grab a volume and flip through a few pages whenever I got the chance. It was slow work and I had no idea what I was looking for. But one day, as I flipped through one of the yellow-bound volumes, I felt something like a flash of lighting in my head. The story in front of me was about a girl who was caught burning candles in the library. This was in the 1970s, before the renovation of the library in 1977, that I'd seen mention of in other issues of the paper. The article noted that she had been found dead outside the library, and people were speculating that she'd been conducting satanic rituals with the candles. The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head, but nothing else was listed. I turned forward through the next few issues, but there weren't any other stories, which told me that they never found out how she died. At least that was my guess. So I had some information, but I still didn't know how to get rid of her ghost. If it was her and if I could do it, both big ifs, I did some more research and people always said ghosts need closure, but there was no way I could figure out who killed her, if someone did, way back in 1973. There was one idea that might work though, I thought, and that was making an altar. Well, not really an altar, like one of those roadside memorials, you know, with pictures and flowers and stuff. So I photocopied the picture of her from the paper and got some fake flowers. There were always bookshelves in big libraries that aren't full. I found one in the most remote part of the library, the very back in a corner, and put a little memorial there. I even found a little angel statue and stuck it with the other stuff. I don't know if ghosts can sense stuff like that, so I made sure that night when we were shutting down to walk to the memorial. And yeah, the lights were turning on in front of me and off behind me. This time, now that I knew, or at least thought I knew what it was, it seemed less creepy. Almost just like someone walking there except I couldn't see them. When I got to the memorial, the lights flickered. I walked away without looking back, and the lights stopped following me. I was pretty far away, and I turned back to look. I saw that bright candle-like light seeming to hover over near where that shelf was where the memorial is. The next night, I walked around and didn't see any weird stuff with the lights on at all. It was strange, almost sad, like I almost missed it. When I went to where the memorial was, it was gone. Maybe the janitor picked it up, or maybe something else happened to it. I don't know. But I never saw that flickering light again.